Ronnie Mauricio raked in his debut, and Kodai Sango was simply sensational. We'll discuss a great game at City Field on today's edition Locked On Mets. You are Locked On Mets, your daily New York Mets podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello to all you amazing Mets fans. You're listening to Locked On Mets, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Thank you for making Locked On Mets your first listen every day. Locked On Mets is free and available on all platforms, including YouTube. On the show today, we have Ronnie Mauricio's debut to discuss in the first segment. We're going to talk about what was an amazing first at-bat from Ronnie Mauricio and how his star power could shine through over this final month of the season. In the second segment, we're going to get to Kodai Senga's brilliance tonight because he was just out of this world, and he has been for some time now, which will lead into our final segment. Which award does he have a better chance to come from behind and steal Rookie of the Year or Cy Young? We'll get to all of it. Before we do, I'm your host, Ryan Finkelstein. If you want to find any of my work, follow me on Twitter at FinkelsteinRyan. You can also find some of my writing at JustBaseball.com where I work as the managing editor. Well, Ronnie Mauricio made his MLB debut for the Mets on Friday night. And what were the Mets waiting for? This kid was a star for a night. Comes up and looked awesome. And that's what Ronnie Mauricio can do to you. I'll tell you guys a story. I know if you've listened to this show um, for a while, you've heard it before. But to me, it's relevant as Mauricio makes his debut tonight. Last season, I made a trip to the Mets minor leagues. I first stopped off and I went to a game, uh, you know, at City Field. I then saw a game in Brooklyn, high A. I then went to Binghamton and I finished off the trip in Syracuse. And I wanted to look at all the Mets' top prospects. And obviously, Binghamton was the place to be, just like it is now with a new wave of prospects. But then Francisco Alvarez, Brett Beatty, and Ronnie Mariso were all on that team. And I was excited about Francisco Alvarez and Brett Beatty. Those were the guys that I was really coming to see. Ryan Mauricio is a prospect that I was really down on up to that point because I'd seen videos. I never saw Ronnie Mauricio in person and I saw the stats and the stats spoke of a player that had a lot of talent, but overall didn't have a polished game and had a game that, you know, quite frankly, we thought might get exposed the further and further along he got uh, in the minor leagues and eventually in the major leagues. And in that game, <laughs> Ronnie Mauricio was incredible. He you know, made some great plays at shortstop. He, I think he hit a home run and a double. I don't know if I'm remembering that quite correctly. What I do know is he hit three balls on a rope into the outfield, just scorched three baseballs. And I think... Alvarez popped up and struck out. Beatty had a couple. Like Those two guys that I was all excited to see didn't do much. And Ronnie Mauricio stole the show. And I thought, man, as much as I've talked this guy down on my podcast, maybe I'm wrong about him. And since he has continued to slowly but surely win me over. And, you know, I, I look at things and you hear people who are still down on Mauricio 
And you see, for example, his WRC plus in AAA this year. So for those of you who aren't aware, uh, you know, WRC plus is way to runs created plus. It's a league adjusted stat. So it tells you what league average offense should be. And that's in the big leagues. And, and that is 100. 100 is league average. And that's in all the levels of the minor leagues. So it's taking all the different hitters and the stats they're putting up. And it's creating a league average. It's the same thing as OPS plus. So for a good part of this year, Ronnie Mauricio's WRC plus was right around 100. Okay, now he ends up finishing AAA with a 107 WRC plus. But, you know, for context, look at Brett Beatty. His WRC plus in 23 games in AAA this year is 144. Last year in 89 games in AA, it was 160. So, again, some of these stats will tell you, okay, well, Ronnie Mauricio is you know, not the player that you know, you would hope he would be when you just see a 292 batting average. But then you watch him play baseball games. And that's what I was struck with again watching him in his MLB debut. Man, just the, the sheer size and athletic prowess of Ronnie Mauricio will wow you. It just will. And that is evident in his first at bat. Comes up and he scorches a ball over the right fielder's head, and gets a double. Now, Here's why at times I wish I deleted tweets, but I don't. Whenever I tweet something, I'm, I'm just gonna let I'm gonna live with it. Uh, something about just the thought that someone would have liked or commented on a tweet that I had. It says, you know, this guy deleted the tweet. I don't know. I, I never do that. But my first reaction when he hit that ball was that should have been caught, right? Because the right fielder kind of started it, and then he ends up back. And I will also admit that I was watching the game on my cell phone while I was watching a movie with my wife, her aunt, and her mom. So I was focusing on particularly Ryan Mauricio's at bat, but, you know, I didn't have the sound on or anything. But then you watch the highlight back, and then you see that it's 117 miles an hour at the bat, the hardest hit ball that the Mets have had all year, actually in the last couple of years. The reason why that outfit looks stupid on that play is because he first saw the ball off the bat and was going to come in on it, and it, it just kept carrying and carried over his head. That's legit pop, and that is what supreme athleticism will do for you when Mauricio gets a barrel on a baseball. It goes a long way. I have said this before. As much as Francisco Alvarez has light tower power, and Mark Vientos has a ton of pop as well, no one hits the ball further than Ronnie Mauricio when he connects. And so finally you get to see that. And then he gets a hit late in the game and he makes a nice play at second base where really it was a Jeff McNeil play where Jeff McNeil, uh, you know, cut off a ball really well in the corner and left field and Julio Rodriguez tried to hustle double and Jeff McNeil lays a perfect throw down. But Mauricio got the tag there. And we'll see how he continues to look at second base. But for a night at a time where all the eyes were on him, a guy that whenever you watch him live, which is how I, I had to start the show today going back to that game I saw, couple years ago now, or a little over a year ago now. When you watch him in person, the star talents, the star potential, the, the way he carries himself is evident. And, you know, maybe that's something that we've discounted too much. And maybe this is just, hey, one game. And maybe all of the bad swing decisions have come back. He also did look bad on one strikeout in this game. 
But in that at bat, the first at bat, just to go back to that, because that again is showing you the best of Ronnie Mauricio. It's leading off an inning. It's against Logan Gilbert. It's a really good pitcher. First pitch, called strike, slider in the zone. Second pitch, spits on it, knuckle curve. Third pitch, slider, low and in, tough pitch, but it was a strike and he swung at it, missed it. Then he spit on a really good slide. I mean, it it wasn't, uh, uh, it was a really good way slider. It was a slider that for a a guy that has a reputation of chasing, you would have thought he would have swung through that and, you know, taken a, a trip right to the dugout. The type of pitch that we've seen guys like Brett Beatty and Mark Fientos and Francisco Alvarez strike out this year. That's not to say that those guys haven't had good takes as well, but it's just to say this was his first at bat. And he had the knowledge of his zone to lay off of it, which a year ago, I promise you, he swings through it. But this is an improved player that had a strikeout rate of 18.2% this year and just walked more this past month than he has ever done in his entire minor league career. So now he gets to a 2-2 count, and Gilbert tries to get a fastball by him. And he had you know thrown nothing but off speed to him, so he shows him a fastball, thinking he can sneak it by him at 96 miles per hour. And Ronnie Mauricio identifies it and rips it 117 miles an hour. That's the potential we're talking about, and look, who cares about how long it took him to get here? At this point, he's here, and he is going to be the most exciting thing to watch over this final month of the season. I don't think there's any question about it because, hey, we've seen Alvarez. We've seen Beatty. We've seen Vientos. You're getting your first look at this kid, and if tonight's any indication, he's going to do stuff on the baseball field that's going to wow you. We'll see what the final numbers are. But there's going to be games where he's going to do something either defensively or he's going to hit a baseball ridiculously hard or he's going to steal a base or go first to third in an exciting way. He's a special athlete. It's going to be a lot of fun to watch. But the funny thing is, even though he gets the headline for this game because it's his debut, Kodai Senga is the story. The reason the Mets win tonight is because Kodai Senga was absolutely brilliant. I want to talk about his start and also some award stuff with him because he's starting to pitch himself in that type of a conversation. So we're going to get to all that in a minute. Before we do, though, today's episode is brought to you by FanDuel. Get ready for the NFL season with incredible offers from FanDuel, America's number one sports book. Right now, new customers can bet $5 and get 200 in bonus bets guaranteed. Plus, all customers who bet $5 will get $100 off NFL Sunday ticket from YouTube and YouTube TV. Now is the best time to join FanDuel the app is easy to use, and you can be on everything from spreads to player props and more. So visit FanDuel.com slash on and kick off the NFL season with an offer you won't want to miss. FanDuel, official partner of the NFL. The New York Mets play the Seattle Mariners again at 7:10 Eastern Time tonight. Get Jerry Pitch of the Mets hometown broadcast with SiriusXM on the SXM app. Just search Mets. Kodai Senga. <laughs> I'm starting to come around to the fact that the Mets don't need to add an ace. They just got to add a number two because this guy, he's incredible, man. I mean, Kodai Senga. 
the guy he was at the beginning of the season to where he's at now, it's just remarkable improvement from a guy that we thought would come in as sort of a finished product. And Senga has just been, you know, start after start, month over month. He just seems to get better and better and better. And I think the thing for me is watching him learn how the league was adjusting to him and adjusting back. Okay, guys are just spinning on my on my ghost fork early in the year. Well, I'm gonna start throwing it earlier in counts and get and steal some strikes with it and and make them kind of unaware when it's coming instead of just always using it as okay, I get him one, two, here comes the ghost fork. Or and and he had a sweeper that he was throwing earlier in the year. He was trying to use a sweeper, a slider. These other off-speed pitches. Now he says, you know what? Fastball cutter. That's my bread and butter. He's got the fastball that can touch 98 whenever he needs to. He averages, you know, 96 on the pitch. At least that's what he did tonight. The cutter gives him another hard offering with some movement. And then once they're keying on those, he just knows when to drop the ghost fork in. And it's the most devastating pitch in the game from a starting pitcher. It just is. And you look at, Every time you you watch Senga pitch, you want to look at sort of how the ghost fork was received that night. So tonight he throws it 38 times, 37% of the times. He threw it more than any other pitch tonight. It was 37% fork ball, 34% fastball, uh, and then 21% cutter. And then he mixed in a couple sweepers, a couple sliders, a curveball, but not much. And those pitches sometimes are effective too. That's the funny thing. You know, he got two called strikes. On the sweeper. You know, three balls, but hey, two called strikes. So that that goes fork, right? 21 swings out of the 38 pitches. 12 whiffs. So that's a whiff percentage of 57%. So just like all year, over half the time someone swings at it, they can't even touch it. And then what's even better about that, I, I wish they would put like a whiff plus foul ball percentage. Because no one puts that pitch in play. They got bat on it nine times. Eight of them are foul balls. One of them was a ball put in play. And it's late right now as I'm recording, so uh, I don't think I'm going to go dig through each and every bat to find the one fork ball that was put into play. But I'd almost venture to guess that it was an out. (laughs) And and so as this game plays out, you just know with Sanga on the mound that He's not going to give up any runs. And on the other side, Logan Gilbert was great as well. Now, Senga gave up the one home run. Uh, the Mets, they, they get a run back on a Brandon Nimmo home run in the sixth to tie the game. That was Nimmo's 20th home run of the season. First time in his career, he's hit 20. Now, go get 25, Brandon. <laughs> Amazing to see him tap into this power. I think it's going to be big for him when you think about the rest of this contract. If he can be a... a Right now, it's got a 795 OPS. If he can be an 800 OPS guy, just 800 OPS. You don't have to do anything crazy. 800 OPS with 20 to 25 home runs a season while playing good defense, whether it's in center field or if one day one of these super athletic prospects the Mets have comes up and pushes him to left in the later half of that contract, he's going to be solid for this team and worth every penny. Um, so good to see him tie the game up and have his first 20 home run season. That's a big deal. But Sango just had the game on lock and he doesn't get the win. Phil Bickford does, who came in and pitched a scoreless eighth. But it was Sango's show tonight. 
And luckily the Mets do get a victory um, for him, for Ronnie Mauricio, the whole club, and then all the fans that were out there tonight. Um, you know, in, in the eighth inning, Francisco Lindor, he got a hit, stole second, goes to third on a wild pitch. And Daniel Vogelback, who I was griping about before the game being in the lineup, because I feel like you're at a point in the season where you just got to run all these rookies out there and see what they have. But hey, Vogelback has been swinging a better bat. I know he's going to keep getting into the lineup at some point. Um, and, and over Vientos, you know what? Maybe Vientos just doesn't have future with the Mets. I, I don't know. But regardless, he gets the game-winning RBI in this one. And then Drew Smith comes on, which I, I, I thought for a moment. I'm like, here we go. It's still tank season, boys. You have a day off yesterday, and in a one-run game, the guy you call on is Drew Smith. It felt tankish, no? Is Adam Adovino hurt? I don't know. Let's go to Bickford and Drew Smith in a tie game in a one-run game. But, hey, that's Mets baseball these days. Drew Smith, he's certainly bent. <laughs> Gave up a hit and a walk. But uh, he didn't break, got through the inning, and the Mets picked up a victory against a team in Seattle that has been unbelievable lately. So it was a fun night of baseball. And as much as we can talk tank and all that other stuff, as I just did, down the stretch of the season, I'd still rather see the Mets have a winning month of September and actually be entertaining and give their fans something to watch over this final month with some of these young players, like, making big plays and getting big hits and, and and giving you some hope for next year, even if it means that ultimately your lottery odds a little bit worse because you know what? You already did what you're supposed to do to rebuild the farm. And you would hope that, hey, they just got Colin Houck with the whatever it was, the 32nd pick in the draft. You know, if your, your pick drops from 8 to 18, oh, well. but. Give the fans something to watch on this stretch. And I felt like tonight was uh, a, a really good night for that. Because, hey, you had a player that we've all been dying to see in Mauricio, and he hits a ball harder than we've seen a, a Met hit all year. And, oh, by the way, you also have the ace of the staff that has proven that he can absolutely continue to hold that mantle moving forward. And he also might just find himself in some award conversations. I want to discuss in the final segment today – which award will Kodai Senga receive more votes for? Rookie of the Year or Cy Young? We'll get to that in a minute. Before we do, today's episode is brought to you by Sleeper. Want the chance to win more money with less picks? Head to Sleeper, where you can win up to 100 times your money on just two or more fantasy baseball picks. Sleeper is now offering up to 100 time payout for up to eight pick contests, where you can choose as many as eight players that you like and pick more or less on your favorite baseball stats like home runs, strikeouts, hits, and more. Get your picks right, and you can win big. They have built-in group chat functionality where you can see and copy your group's picks with the tap of a button. Entries can be made in 30 seconds or less. It's that easy, and they have safe and fast withdrawals. Use promo code LOCKEDON. You'll get up to $100 match on your first deposit. Terms and conditions apply. See Sleeper's terms of use for details. Currently operational in over 30 states. Check out Sleeper today. New 
York Mets play the Seattle Mariners at 710 Eastern time tonight. Get your picture of the Mets hometown broadcast with Sirius XM on the SXM app. Just search Mets. Kodai Senga, which award does he stand a better chance to win? Rookie of the year, Cy Young. It's interesting because if there was a rookie of the year for simply pitchers, Senga would have it locked up. Problem is, position players factor in, obviously. And as much as I love to make the case that Kodai Senga should be the rookie of the year, Corbin Carroll has put up nearly a five-win season. He's at 4.9 right now. I don't know what he did tonight. Every chance that he already pushed that number over five. He's got 23 home runs, 41 stolen bases. Uh, you know, we're talking about how Ronald Acuna Jr. created a club for himself, the 30-60 club, 30 home runs, 60 stolen bases. Well, with a hot month, Corbin Carroll could finish with 30-50, and he's probably going to finish 25-50 at least. So he's your rookie of the year. Now, will Singa get the runner-up? Probably. I mean, the only other options are James Altman and Matt McClain. Both of them have put up more war than Senga. You know, for Altman, he's sitting at 17 home runs, 14 bags. Can he get to a 2020 season potentially? And he's put up really good numbers to the Dodgers on a great team. I don't know. That that race is crowded. Um, not that the Cy Young isn't, but I, best case, he's getting runner-up. He might not even finish runner-up. He might finish third. The crazy thing is, like, you can start to build a Cy Young case for Kodai Senga. Um, and this is not me saying he's going to win the award, but it's a guy that probably finishes top five in both awards. I think that that's a distinct possibility, particularly with how he finishes the season. After this start tonight, I sit with a 308 ERA. Uh, he's got a strikeout per nine of 11.05. Now, I mentioned those two stats in particular because look at the top ERA guys in the National League. Blake Snell, 260 ERA. Justin Steele, 269 ERA, and then you get to Senga, third best in the National League. Now, Blake Snell has 11.66 strikeouts per nine. He might be my Cy Young at this point. I don't know. Justin Steele is, is, has done a great job as well. He's 15-3 and three for the Cubs. I know record doesn't matter as much anymore, but that is pretty telling. So you know, Steele's got an argument to be made. And then if you want to look at the other you know, things that factor in, like war, Zach Wheeler, 5.2, leading the league. He's also pitched 158 innings. Uh, he's got a 3.59 ERA, and that's been lowering month over month, it feels like. Spencer Strider, 4.8 F4, 13.84 strikeout per nine. He's insane. 3.56 ERA. Zach Gallen, if you'd like a little bit of everything, he's – up there in innings pitched, 173 and a third. Um, strikeouts, 9.45 per nine. That's really good. 3.32 ERA, 4F4. Even Logan Webb, he's leading the league in innings pitched, 180 and a third, 3.49 ERA. There's a lot of guys that are going to vie for votes. But if you look at the combination of strikeouts and ERA, that's where Senga finds his sweet spot where – He's second best if you combine those two stats, second best in the league to Blake Snell. So I don't know who knows. Maybe the more I talk it out, the more I see all the names. Probably finishes higher in the rookie of the year because I, I 
I think he should be runner-up. But I don't think he can win Rookie of the Year. I think it, the perfect confluence of circumstances happened down the stretch, which is Kodai Senga basically doing what he just did tonight four more times. And, you know, he finishes the year over 200 strikeouts and he gets the ERA, you know, below three to like two eight. And Blake Snell gets lit up down the stretch as does Justin Steele. And like somehow Kodai Senga finishes with the ERA title, which again, not super far off. I mean, if those two guys had some bad starts and Senga was awesome, it, it could happen. I think he's of the two awards. He could win the Cy Young where I don't think he can win the rookie of the year, but he probably finishes better in the rookie of the year race because there is just so many names around him. And of all those names I talked about, Justin Steele, um, you know, Zach Wheeler, Zach Gallon, Logan Webb, all of them are, are pitching in the playoff race right now. They're going to have more eyeballs all on them. Spencer Strider as well. The only guy who's not is, is Blake Snell, funny enough. Um, and he might just be the guy that wins the award because he might win the ERA title. And, you know, he racks up a ridiculous amount of strikeouts. But the bottom line is, Sang is in the conversation. And I think before this season, we all would have expected Sang to be in the conversation for the rookie of the year. No one had him in the conversation for the Sion because there was two guys on the team that you thought would be better bets to win that award. And now neither, neither of them is on the team, but also Sanga's put up a better year than both of them as well. Um, and that's just an incredible find for this Mets franchise. Anyway, that's going to be all for today's edition of Locked on Mets. I'll be back with this show on Monday. So make sure uh, you follow, rate, and review so you don't miss it. Subscribe on YouTube. Follow me on Twitter at Finkelstein Ryan. Follow the show at Locked on Mets. Thank you for making Locked on Mets. Your first listen every day. If you want to catch every pitch in the Mets hometown broadcast this weekend, you can do so with SiriusXM on the SXM app. Just search Mets.